0: hi bill smith from the classic camera revival on a brief serious note the podcast team was recently made aware of comments made by a former member mike bataxi on instagram towards a company that makes lab box we love the bataxis however it should be stressed they are no longer members of the classic camera revival any viewpoints expressed by any former co-host are not endorsed or shared by the current co-host team on behalf of the classic camera revival i apologize if there's any confusion in this matter
1: Hey guys, Alex Slokes here for Classic Camera Revival. Um, We have been doing a lot of really deep dives into certain camera systems, and a lot of them have turned into giant rabbit holes. But we are going to go down the rabbit hole of rabbit holes today, and we are going to be talking about the history, the production, and the general story of Frank and Hedecky and their amazing roll-eye cameras. I'm talking, of course, about the Roloflex and the rolacord
0: Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto-Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode.
1: Okay, so if you read some of my other blog posts, you know that I am a big fan of history and I tend to go in headfirst and don't stop. So when it comes to cameras, there are many that hold a special place in photographic histories, and in the case of twin-lens cameras, none stand out more than Frank and Hedeke and their twin-lens reflex. But the TLR is not a new idea. The earliest one saw production in 1880, but it wasn't until the 20th century that they really started to come into their own. And we really have Frank and Hideki to thank for that. The original Roloflex was released in 1928. um, The Roloflex One, or the old standard. Um, Compared to modern cameras, this original Roloflex is essentially a twin lens box camera. There's no light meter, there's no automatic film advance. It's a box with two lenses that you can focus. Um, but the one thing it did have was a big 6x6 negative on 120 film and a Carl Zeiss lens, specifically a 77 centimeter Zeiss Tessar f3.8. And it came into about $75. The original model saw continued production until 1938 And then in 1938, we saw the first major shift in the Roloflex production with the introduction of the automat. Gone was the red window, and automatic film loading was introduced. But before the automat, Frank and Hedeke realized that the Roloflex was fairly expensive. It was now running about $112. So they decided to release a budget or a consumer-level TLR, the Rolacord. The Rolacord saw introduction in 1933, cost $70. And compared to the Roloflex, it was fairly basic, less ergonomic controls, a slightly lower-quality Zeiss lens, a Triotar 75mm f4.5. And then in 1939, again to address the widening price gap, you saw the introduction of the Roloflex New Standard. This um, maintained a Zeiss Tessar lens with a 75 millimeter focal length um, f3.5 lens. But unlike the Automat cameras, the viewing lens was rated at f3.1 as opposed to f2.8. So we all know what happened in 1939, World War II broke out. But not before Frank and Hedeke could sort of unify their camera designs into a single form factor. 1940 saw the release of the Automat 3, which introduced, finally, a second lens um, that you could order for your Roloflex in the form of either the Zeiss Tessar or the Schneider Kruznack Zenar, both 75mm f3.5. He also had the release of the Rolleicord 2C with, again, the old tri- Triotar lens, 75mm f3.5. The 2C also maintained the old REND window and actually was the final Rolleicord model to do so. When, uh, when the Third Reich rolled through, um, Frank and key were, of course, nationalized and forced into war production, where they actually supported Voigtlander in the production of optical instruments. By war's end, they had suffered 65% losses of their plant due to the Allied bombing. But thankfully, in the post-war partition, they ended up in the British occupation zone. So unlike Zeiss and many other plants, they weren't dismantled and shipped off to Mother Russia. But the Brits desired for the company to survive. They saw that camera production, good camera production, was a way of economic stability for post-war Germany. They even helped to bring Zeiss lenses across the Iron Curtain until they could get their own Zeiss factory set up. The 1940s, the late 1940s, post-war, finally saw an introduction of new camera models, which had laid fairly stagnant during the war years. You saw, by the end of the uh, decade, the introduction of the Roloflex 2.8a, which was, again, still a Tessar lens, but this time an 80 millimeter f 28 and you saw the mid-range Rolleiflex cameras, originally titled the Automat X, becoming the Roloflex 3.5, which you could either get with a Tessar lens or a Xenar, both 75mm f3.5. The introduction of the Rolleicord 3 finally brought automatic film loading and advances to, uh, to the uh, Rolleicord line with either a Zeiss Triotar or a Schneider Xenar lens but it was in the 1950s that saw the death of Paul Frank. Put it in his son, but in his place came his son, Horst. The 1950s are known as the golden age for uh, Frank and Hedeke, and they entered the mid-century with little to no competition. Earlier in the decade saw rapid release of camera models with the Rollochord four, which Bill Smith has.
0: Thanks, Alex. Uh- my Rolli-Cord Four. I picked this up several years ago at a camp, one of those Camerama shows uh, north of the city, and I got it for like it was basically mint for like two hundred bucks. So of course, you know, I see this. I call my brother who had a has a Flex AutoMat, and I kind of asked him and I asked my brother, "Is this? It's a Rolli-Cord Four? Is two hundred bucks like worth it?" And he said, yeah. "And he said, yeah, the shutter speeds work. Said, yep." So I grabbed it. And then grab some expired Ilford FP4. I used the light meter app on my iPhone at the time and gave it a test roll in Midtown Toronto. It was the perfect camera. So if you're pondering, like, say, hey, I'd love to get into the Frank and Heideki uh, action, but can't quite swing a full-size Rolleiflex," and even the 5B is getting up there in price, maybe look at the Rolleicord 4. Absolutely.
1: But very rapidly after the roller cord four came the roller five. Now you bill have a five B, which is a later model, but let's hear about that.
0: Okay, the Rolly 5B, the five A cosmetically, if you squint, and again, Rolly are simplified versions of the you know TLR. You don't have the crank, you've got a knob that you twist. It comes with all of them came with the 75 F three point five Schneider Zenar lens, which is a really nice bit of glass. All have the compure shutter. Uh, the difference between the 5A and the 5B, well, the 5A, if you squint, it looks like the four, the 5B it comes with the removable uh waist level viewfinder like you get with the later F series uh flexes, and you could put a prism on top of it. Big difference. And uh, the uh, the the ergonomics changed slightly, so it's sort of almost more reflected the the flex because uh, with the earlier ones from the four, the the five believe yeah the four backwards uh the focusing and the film advance was on the same side whereas on the five they moved the focusing to the left side of the camera kind of like the rolly in some regards and kept the film advance on the right side mm. if memory serves correct <laughs> i haven't used my rolly 5b in a while i'm just going off by memory
1: So <laughs> oh, there we go um, the 1950s also saw improvements with the uh, Roloflex 2.8, with the introduction of um, the 2.8B, which didn't quite go straight to the planar lens. They actually released it with the Zeiss BioMetar lens. But again, you had the ADF 2.8 lens. Um, it wouldn't be until um, later on in 52 that the 2.8C was released, and you could get that either with a Zeiss Planar 82.8 or a Schneider Xenotar 82.8. By 1956, um, the Roloflex 3.5 line advanced to the C models with either a Zeiss Planar 75mm f3.5 or a Schneider Xenotar, same focal length. Mm-hmm. But 1956 was a banner year for Frank and Heddy Key. It saw their one millionth camera sold and the company had a workforce of 1,600 people. They reintroduced the old-style RoloFlex 4x4 with 127 film, which was initially released in the 30s, but they cancelled it because it sold badly. But it also saw the introduction of the Rolleiflex 3.5e. The 3.5e added something that had not been seen in a Roleye camera yet, a light meter. And John, you have one of those.
2: Yep, although to be precise, I have the E3. And the E3, uh, one of the books I have, describes the E3 as essentially the same thing as the 1960 uh, post-November 3.5F, but without the light meter. However, what it was, this was a cost-saving measure for people who really wanted the Rolleiflex, but couldn't afford it all at once. You would buy it without the light meter, but you could buy the light meter afterwards and wire it in yourself, so there's a place for it. This is oh. a fairly rare model. Now, this this one was made from 1961 to, we think, 1965. The book I have isn't quite sure. There's a question mark, and only five thousand of these were made, so mm-hmm. it it is a rare bird. But for for some reason, you know, it's it's not commanding a huge price like i selfishly think it should um because people
3: probably don't realize how rare it is yeah that's right well i was exactly I, i'm from
2: 1961 it's too and i'm right. unappreciated the
3: price is at least by 30 of our listeners anyway yeah, yeah.
0: well <laughs> the weird thing with metered Roliflexes, my 3.5c has a meter and it's coupled and depending on which site you Look at some people say it's a 3.5C like Rolly Club does, and if you go to Harry Fleener, he calls it a 3.5E. Either way, the serial number falls between 1956 and 1959,
3: so that's what it is. 56 was the year of the uh, of the meter and the
1: coupling
0: functionality
1: yep. in, in, in the Rolly world. Yeah. That's right, um, and the 2.8E, not to be undone, added a meter as well.
2: My my uh, my experience, like it took me a while to get into TLRs. I bought a roller cord, first of all. Uh, I think something like a 3KB, something like that. Didn't really bond with it and sold it. Then I got a second one that was uh, eBay Minty, shall we say. <laughs> and the problems would not buff out. It was basically yeah. a piece of junk. Then I got a, th- a third... A third, I guess, it was a four B roller cord. Uh-huh. And that's when I finally sort of got it and saw okay, this is cool. But I want a Rollaflex. So I got one. But mine has the Xinitar lens. It yeah. has it has an aftermarket um focusing screen. I think it has the BD. So it's uh, it's pretty bright. But the thing is, cosmetically it's a dog. Uh there's staining on the front uh on the front ring around the lens so it's it's a re it's a definite user and I got it I think for about 550 US yeah. which is an absolute steal
0: oh that's bargain of the century
2: and yeah. I, and it's hey it's it's like me born in 1961 pretty beaten up but it can do good things if you handle it correctly
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but, but by decades end Frank and Hedeke were flying high. They had a workforce of 2,000, but what they didn't realize was competition was starting to close in. And I am, of course, talking about the Mamiya C-Series. Now, the C-Series TLRs had one thing that the Roloflexes and Rolocords did not. They had interchangeable lenses. The eyes had always been fixed lenses, so Frank and Hedecky got to work and designed two variants. They designed the Flex which featured a Zeiss Sonar 135mm F4 lens, and the Roleye Wide, with a Distagon 55mm F4. These both were released in 1961. Neither did well on the market, and production ceased in 1967. But the 60s weren't a complete bust. They saw the release of the Roloflex Flex f and the 3.5 f now i have the 2.8 f it's a camera that i've had pretty much since the beginning of shooting film not one i'm gonna let go anytime soon i got it from the original owner he got it in 1969 had all the manuals in german which when you're coming from starting with a uh Um, a uh, Lubitel 2 and a Yashica 12 switching to a Roloflex is a whole other ball game Um, thankfully um, Roger from uh, Camtech, may he rest in peace broke out a beat up old roll of Tri-X and promptly told me what I was doing wrong what's nice about the 2.8F is that unlike the E series it does have a coupled meter and it's match needle, later ones did the first one didn't Really? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Pretty uh, sure. That's what my reading said. But again, who can trust what you read on the internet or is <laughs> said on podcasts? We have no journalistic integrity. <laughs> so yeah, I will I will use my Roloflex until it's dying day and there's a good chance it might even outlive me.
2: So of Alex, course, just to complete your story, tell everyone just how much you paid for it.
1: Do we really really all go there? So we can
3: piss off the whole internet
1: yes Ugh. yes why not i paid three hundred dollars
0: no boy Ugh. all right huh. and now but, is this a, a question mr lux is this a white face 2.8f nope. no, no Okay. okay okay yeah that would have gone up up to 400 bucks <laughs> <laughs>
1: no it, it i've i've considered that before um the white faces are later variants of uh, Rolleiflex cameras. Um, mine is not a white face. It is too old for that.
0: There you go. Um,
1: but sadly, time was catching up with Frank and Hedeke. 1977 ended the uh, Rolleicord line with the 5B being the final version. And a year prior... 1976, the Rolleiflex 3.5 line ended. The sole survivor was the 2.8 line, but bankruptcy hit Frank and Hedeki. But thankfully, like Kodak, they reorganized and uh, came out under the name Rolleiflex PhotoWorks um, and released a gold-plated 2.8f Arum from 1982 to 1990, and that was quickly replaced by the 2.8 GX. It rolled off the line in 1987. Gone was the Selenium meter. Instead, it used a photodiode and semi-transparent meters to provide exposure settings, similar to what was found in the Rollei SL66 camera system. The lens made the same planar lens, although now it was made in-house. They released several special edition variants. The first, in 1989, was the 60th anniversary with a grey body, and the return of the fancy Roloflex script on the nameplate. They also released the 75th anniversary version. The GX was quickly replaced in 2002 with the 2.8 FX. That ran until 2009, and then bankruptcy hit again. But again, Frank and Hedecky recovered and released the FXN in 2013. The FX and the FXNs are pretty close to identical. The only difference is in the lens. The FXN no longer uses a Zeiss lens, but rather an S Apagon 80mm f2.8. I tried to find if you could still buy the FXN, but it too has ended production. Probably around 2018. Although, its price was fairly high. $59,000 US. Ouch. Sorry, $5,900 $5,900 US. That sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Still on the Which, scale. Which, ironically,
1: if you take inflation into matter, into um, a cord, the original Roloflex only sell, sold for $1,200. So, but yeah.
3: All right. Well, I'm going to hit the rewind button here a little bit and tell you about the 2.8E. There we go. Okay. So this camera. Um, According to my research, anyway, and of course you can find anything to argue any position on the internet these days, was that um, uh, Roley uh, uh, in 1956 when the 2.8E was launched was is uh, what I read was uh, the year in which they uh, launched uh, the built-in uh, meter uh, and the coupled uh, metering system. With the 2.8E, you can actually switch the coupling on and off. Uh, so uh, let's say, okay. let's say, you, so there's a little knob on the aperture dial and there's two little dots. When when there's two little hash marks are lined up with the dots, the meter is coupled. When you push the little button in and the, the hash marks are perpendicular to the two little dots, the meter now operates, the, the shutter speed and uh, aperture operate independently of each other. So I guess the handy part here is, is essentially early sort of inklings of program mode. So if you were to set up, say, your Sunny 16 exposure and right. you wanted to change aperture, etc., all you had to do was turn one knob. There and so go. the uh, the aperture and shutter speed would uh, uh, be essentially coordinated together. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, nice.
3: The other interesting thing about the 2.8E is it has essentially... Two metering modes. It has a dim metering mode and a bright metering mode. So, in the upper um, left-hand corner of the camera, you'll see a, a little switch just on uh, where the where the top of the meter is, just above the word flex. And there's a little red dot. And if you the red dot is exposed, it means you are operating the camera in dim mode. Uh, and if you cover up the uh, the red dot, you're operating the meter in bright mode. Now, in the documentation, including the manual, the original manual for this camera, they actually don't specify what the difference is. But if you look at the actual meter reading knob, you'll see that there's two boxes, two windows, one that is uh, not covered in a red box and one that is covered in a red box that displays the EV. And I believe it is a six-stop EV difference um, on that uh, metering knob. Um, generally when I'm using the meter for this thing, if I am, you know, shooting outside of the golden hour, um, so like middle of the day and that sort of thing, I'm generally shooting it in bright mode. And if I'm shooting it in, in like time, dusk, golden hour time, blue hour time, uh, I'm shooting it in the, uh, in the dim mode. Uh, one of the interesting Things there are some little hints and tricks when it comes to shooting with uh, with the Rolleiflex that has the external meter on it, and actually, believe it or not, they have a, a diffuser dome for this meter that they call incident reading. Yes. And so if you put the diffuser dome over the uh, Gosson selenium meter, uh, it turns it into what they call incident metering, but which is really weird because you're actually measuring the lit incident light that's falling on the camera, not your subject. So not necessar- I don't necessarily understand the logic there. But without that diffuser dome, essentially it's saying it's a reflective meter. And according to the ROLI documentation, it's saying that reflective metering uh, is more accurate than incident metering Mm -hmm. um and of course we're not going to open up that can of worms here today but um uh, those of you that want to discuss that further go resurrect (laughs) APUG. be my guest
2: there's going to be a shootout
3: Uh, the other thing about this because it's an exposed external meter at the top of the lens and the way you hold the camera be particularly mindful when shooting landscapes that you will generally overexpose your images unless you tilt the camera down and take your meter, meter reading off the ground or something typically in zone four or zone five. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid to, especially if shooting portraits to walk up like as close as you can to your subject and take a reflective metering off, reflective Mm -hmm. reflective meter reading off of your portrait subject as well. Um, Because let's face it, this is, technology circa 1956. Exactly. Um, You've got to create your own matrix metering uh, approach. But this camera itself, lovely camera. I picked it up uh, for around a thousand bucks off of um, uh, an older gentleman who claimed he was the original owner. I would say it's mine's probably a good nine out of eight and a half, nine out of 10 shape. Um, And also one thing about uh, the, I don't know about the other rolly flexes before this one, uh, but the 2.8E can actually take a 135 cartridge. Um, a lot of them can. Okay. But you have to buy a bunch of little accoutrements yep. to make that work.
1: That's right. right. Rolly cans.
2: Like
3: roll yeah.
1: yeah, to make it work or like a Rolly can. Keynote, as in motion picture film. Ah, uh, I've never tried it. Um,
3: with this, you have to slide. With mine, you, there, you slide the pressure plate back and forth. Yeah. That did Uh, not
1: change with the uh, 2.8 app. Yeah,
3: and then for an interesting thing, I actually have on mine a 36 exposure counter uh, counter that I don't, it doesn't actually move, so I don't know what it does, to be honest. (laughs) But um, I suppose you can get vertical panoramas by shooting that, Yeah, or or vertical or sprockets, I suppose.
1: Yeah, you'd get Um, sprockets, unless you put a mask on. And
3: yeah, a mask also. You're supposed to, yeah, it comes with a mask, and then there's a mask that goes around the actual uh, mm. uh, taking lens as well. And too. The screen. And the yeah. screen and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess really this was the, you can debate it, it's kind of the birthplace of the uh, mo- uh, modular uh, camera
1: system, or first right. system camera. Okay, so I've figured out what you meant by coupled. Uh, On the 2.8F, mm-hmm. I have a match needle. Ah. On mine, where when I adjust the aperture and the shutter control knob, it physically moves the round um, needle. Okay. So I matched up with the straight needle. Mm -hmm. In yours, you do the same thing where you'd move this until it matches. Yeah. Gives you the EV. Yeah. And then you set the EV here. Correct. Yes. So Yours is
3: all linked together.
1: Mine's a fully
3: yeah. coupled meter. Yeah. So when you when you change the EV, it's changing the settings for you. That's right. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Now I feel a little bit better. Right. So that's, I guess <laughs> now we've solved the mystery of the internet. Or, I guess it, I guess, you know, coupling, decoupling. I don't know. That's right. Altro, I have no idea. <laughs> Who cares?
1: Who cares? Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> so the real question is, why do we like these cameras so much? John,
2: uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, I think for medium format, I love the fact that it's light. Mm-hmm. I have a bad back. There are cameras that I either don't carry much, or indeed sold because they just cause too much back pain. And the uh, the Roloflex f- for the for the format is just beautifully light, um, and I like the fact that if you want to go, out, you know, it's not a camera to go out and shoot surreptitiously. You know, people will come up and say, "Nice camera." Can you still get film for it? Of course. Oh so gosh. it's it, it's you know it it's a way to it's it's almost like a, it's an ambassador for film photography. It gets people interested, and cool. and I think also the form factor is beautiful. It has just such a geeky, uh, geary kind of look to it that oh. uh, that I that I just love.
1: And James,
3: well. Along the same lines, John, I I consider it the iconic film camera. No one ever confuses a rolly cord with anything digital. Nope. Um, You look at it, you know know that's a film camera, which I think is kind of cool. Certainly, uh, uh, it's got some uh, recent fame and notoriety because of Vivian Meyer. Um, and, uh, certainly most TLRs these days, uh, we owe the popularity to, uh, the discovery of her work for sure. Um, but for me personally, why I like the camera, um, I think it's just, it represents so much. And I really like cameras that, um, represent turning points in photographic history. Mm. Uh, you know, very much like, uh, you know, the Leica M system, yep. um, Uh, very much the Nikon F system and also the Roliflex. And one of the reasons why I wanted a 2.8 E because it was the turning point of uh, your basic box camera and then your box camera with real useful functionality on it. That's right. Like uh, coupled metering, like uh, incident and reflective metering. With automatic parallax co- uh, correction in from in mm-hmm. 1956 on a TLR. So from a technological standpoint, um, I think it's yep. kind of sexy to be honest. It's they're really awesome cameras. They're dependable. They're workhorses. They're quiet. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's you, you you I think you probably can get get them CLA'd once every 10 years, and oh, and they're probably easy. gonna they they just work. Um, and the other thing is I, that I really like about them is with the uh, the yeah. Rolinars are really cool, um, and I, I like you know, you know, you can actually kind of shoot macro, so to speak, or maybe it's the the Rolinars were the first generation of the lens baby, maybe. But uh, <laughs> uh, two. extension tubes, extension and the great but, thing about know, like, the
2: Rolinars they came with the uh, with sort of like little prism like that amazing parallax correction.
3: Yeah, 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 and aside from that the image quality of these of the yep. of the glass i have a 2.8 planar um and yeah it's nice i i like the planar because frankly it's a planar on it i'm gonna <laughs> be honest um but the 3.5 xenotar uh um, yeah any of the 3.5 the 3.5 planars don't get suckered into the 2.8 that's right there is absolutely nothing i don't know i hate to use the term wrong because it's not applicable but don't, you know, don't get hung up because everybody says 2.8 planar is the best. Yep. There's there's something, the
2: best. There's something to be said for every lens they put out. Like, yeah, the yeah, planars actually, are great. The Zenitars are great. But heck, on the, the roll of cords, the Zenar is a great lens. The Tessar yeah. is a great lens. I have a yeah. friend who got a triatar. He loved the look, look of that lens.
0: Yeah.
2: There are no so, dogs there. Just know what you're yeah. getting into.
3: Absolutely, you're 100% bang on, John. There are no dogs. It's nope. just what you like.
1: No, nope. Bill, you
0: have. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple Rolie. <laughs> yes. Plural. What
3: is the plural of Rolie?
0: Colony. Roli. Colony. Yeah. Colony. Uh, it's a long story on how I wound up getting into Roli. Uh My brother had an Automat, and he loaned it to me. I don't know, 2007, 2008, or something. And it, so it was your brother who got you into this. Yeah, he got me into this whole TLR madness. Uh, so he gave me the automat. I, I borrowed, it, I think it was like March, April. It was like tail end of ski season because I remember I was up in Bell Fountain area after skiing. And yeah, I shot, shot a roll, processed it. It looked beautiful. And I said, okay, thanks. Here you go. Then two years later, my brother moved houses in, in Toronto. So he gave me his camera collection for safekeeping for a few months while he was you know, moving stuff around. And again, I had a chance to play with the Automat again, and I fell in love with that. Um, you know what,
3: I just got to say something that we never see Bill and his brother together. So I'm wondering. You have,
0: oh, actually, I have graphic evidence <laughs> okay. of this.
3: Because yeah. every time I run into Alex, where's Bill? <laughs> i I did i'm just curious I, I do have a portrait I took
2: of both of them in the same picture
0: camera collection about uh, 20 years ago well moving ahead a few years then 2009 uh you know fell in love with it Christmas that year my mom and my brother went together and got me the 3.5 c in my what I thought was an E but in reality is it's it's a c three three point5 planar uh had been overhauled and off I went. And then I got my Rolly Cord 4 a couple of years later. That has been with me on hikes. It's been to New York City with me on a couple of occasions. Uh, yeah, the ZenR lens, if you're on a budget, a Rolly Flex Automat or a Rolly Cord, you can't go wrong with that lens. And again, you can get all sorts of accessories. And considering the fact that both Minolta and Yashica were also using the same size lens hood and roly. Roland Rs or whatever you want to call it everything was sort of cross compatible so That's
3: right. the base
0: system. system yep the base system so if you're the 3.5 series you're using a bay 2 accessories uh, more recently my 3.5 type 3 came into my possession uh, i used to have a Hasselblad 500cm i yeah it was it was a, it's a lovely camera i shot with it for years but it's not one of those ones I liked, but I didn't love. And there was a gentleman down Niagara region who was a wedding photographer and has his own photography podcast. And he was looking for a Hasselblad and he had this 3.5 type three. Now, what am I talking about with the types? There were almost small variants within like the 3.5 F because it's such a long production run. And the first one, the Type 1 and the Type 2, you might be able to get a bit of a deal on it, but the, the shutters on them are a little funky. So the repair tech you go to may give you that sort of sideways look if you drop one off for a CLA. So the Type 3 is the one you're after, because uh, the, the shutter is pretty much bomb-proof. Now, again, uh, I was lucky with this particular one. They, I got it with the uh, with the Maxwell screen.
1: Mm,
0: so Nice is it cosmetically perfect Yeah, there's a little bit of staining on the front part but it's not a white face it's a it's a good early mid 60 3.5 f rolly flex what's not to love <laughs> and, and, it's ama-
2: and it's amazing how cosmetic defects don't show up in pictures
0: no nope, nope. they don't black and white ones they don't
3: you and only and, your shelf look cleaner <laughs> yeah
0: exactly and i've I managed to shoot uh, a roll of Cat Labs film ADX through this earlier this year. And oh boy, that film and that lens is made for each other. Absolutely. Now, so, mm, yeah.
1: um, Any of the um Rolleiflex Rolleicord cameras, it's really the only camera that I see as an investment. Yeah, right? sure. you're sure. investing in a quality product. It's a functional antique. that's right. It's I a, prefer my Roloflex over a Hasselblad. Well, let's not go that far, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is, of course, we'll have a little chat. Opinion. Of course, it depends on what you're doing, right? That's right. If I want a functional, dependable camera that I can get quality results out of, I don't have to carry anything. It has a built-in meter, has a quality lens, in a compact that will fit on your fitting your average carry-on. You're golden. The only thing I regret is not bringing it with me to Saskatchewan in the summer.
0: It what were you thinking?
1: I needed space for my 17 to 35 millimeter lens for my Maxim 9. Oh, well
2: Two words, return trip. You'll have to go back. Yeah.
1: yeah. Really, when you're looking at Roloflexes or Rolocords, you really want to um, look at later productions. I'm, of course, talking 1965 really until the uh, end of the 70s, early 80s. Don't go into the 1990s. You'll just pay more. And again, there's there's really no bad model, right? There, yeah. Yes, there is a certain cachet about getting the 2.8 planar. But as everyone around the table there's said, no dogs. the 3.5 will do you just fine. Yep. The Schneider lenses will do you just fine. Well, that about covers it for this episode. I know we have just barely started to scratch the surface in our uh, 40 minute episode. Um, So yeah, until next time, my name's Alex Lokes, and uh, if you apply enough alcohol, any camera can be twin lenses. Uh, This is James Lee, double your pleasure
3: and
0: go shoot at TLR. This is Bill Smith, Uh, two lenses are better than one on occasion.
2: And this is John Meadows. Anyone can manage a single lens reflex. Can you handle the twins?
3: (laughs)
0: Nice.
2: (laughs) Well, John.